Rooted in Revenue with your host today, Susan Finch. Susan Finch here, your host today for Rooted in Revenue, and I'm very excited to have somebody that I count on to keep me apprised via email and her newsletters and her postings, Laura Patterson. And Laura, I love what you send to me because you do all the homework for me a lot of times, and you say what I'm thinking. So you are at Vision Edge, and I would like you to tell me first about your company really quick. For those of you that don't know Laura Patterson, you should be following her everywhere because she always has insights that will help you and save you time and save your clients time and make you look good. So Laura, welcome. Thank you so much for having me again, Susan. I always enjoy our conversations. And Vision Edge Marketing, we started in 1999 with the focus on how do we help our customers be more successful at using data analytics process and measurement to take a customer-centric approach to growth. So we were talking about all those things before they became big buzzwords. Now they're all big buzzwords. And we're really glad that we were part of a trend. (laughs) And um, we're in the thick of, you know, for many of our customers, not all, but for many, uh, the end of the year signals the end of a fiscal year. So they're wrapping up their year and they're starting to think about a coming year. And I know I want this to be evergreen as a podcast, but people are, are having to be nimble about how they plan and budget these days because the world is so fluid and dynamic. So while we might go through a relatively big planning and budgeting process as we enter a new fiscal year, we have to be adjusting all the time. Having our company being around since 1999, we've gone through a few ups and downs (laughs) when it comes to the economy. For those of us who were around then, we can remember 2001. We can remember of course, you know, 2009 and 10. and, And now more recently, the pandemic and what it's done. So now here we are facing inflation. I mean, Susan, our company thinks that coffee is a food group. So we go through a lot of coffee and we have a coffee service and it's a pretty substantial, you know, line item under supplies. So it's in the supplies account. We're going to talk about that in a moment. And um, I made a comment to our our folks. I said, "Our, our coffee bill seems like it's really gone up. Are y'all drinking more coffee? And the answer came back, no. The cost went up by 35%. Wow. Yeah, for coffee. So we're paying more, just like everyone is. And just on a simple thing like coffee, I can't turn the coffee pot off. Right. Then nobody would come to work. <laughs> so- <laughs> No, that's not true. But you get the point. Yeah. And it's so even basic things like paper and toner and coffee that you need to keep your business humming, uh, those are going up and they're affecting what you can do with your other money, other that you're investing, whether that's in marketing or sales or product development. And so that's why we have to be thinking about the budget all the time. We do. And you and I, when I first invited you to come on on this topic about recession and marketing in a recession and not turning the lights off on marketing, you said, oh, you got to go read this post I did. And folks, we'll put this in the post for this podcast episode because it's a fantastic article. And it's like, you were reading my mind. (laughs) It was so great to read that. But I also have real estate clients and healthcare clients. And, you know, healthcare usually stays pretty bulletproof in these situations because they still have to market and they still do their thing. But I'm watching real estate agents 
their messaging, of course, as the interest rates go up, oh, this is still the perfect time to buy and sell. You know, this is always still the perfect time and this is why, and the spin comes in. And the unfortunate part of that is we are, some of us, especially in the C-suite, we are getting more savvy at recognizing the spins. And so sometimes I think when we have genuine information for people that, no, there's a hard study, you know, the Harvard study and that other one, was it an IEEE, showing that if you put the brakes on marketing, how long it takes to recover, how long it takes to come back to get to just where you were, as opposed to maybe your competitors had a little war chest going or can shift some money around in their budgets to be able to continue it and take advantage of those that are running scared right now. And that can also come across, so depending how we word it, as another spin. Because, of course, marketers, we're going to say keep spending on marketing. We believe in it, but we also, that's our livelihood, and we want to keep it going. So can people see the genuine message, concern, and evidence that if you do not continue it, this is going to really hurt you guys. You have to find a way to shift some things. Maybe you're not going to cut off the coffee service, but maybe there'll be some other things that need to shift. What do you What do you think about all that? Well, I think you bring up a really good point. Point that it uh, and it doesn't really matter whether you're a really large company or a really small company. Uh, we're we're a boutique firm. You know, we're not hundreds of people. Uh, I don't think it matters whether you're a B two C or a B two B or whether you're so whether you're in real estate or. Uh, in you know other some other type of like an accounting firm mm-hmm. um, or a law firm as a B two B company, so I think you have to continue to find, keep, and grow the value of customers, which is the essence of marketing. Right? You can't stop looking for customers and 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 doing that work, um, but you also have to focus on keeping them. And one of the things I know people did, and we did, and we encourage people to do in various downturns is because it may be harder to acquire a customer for various different reasons, uh, especially when we were going through um, 2001 in Austin, so many people were, were just disappearing, you know, from being in business. So right. finding can be hard. Therefore, keeping is becoming really critical. So what can you do to keep those customers? How do you invest in keeping customers and growing the value of those customers. How do you, and, and turning them into your ambassadors for your company. If you do a good job around customer experience, customer engagement, and you create loyal customers who have a positive regard for your company, who have positive sentiment for what you do, then you get ambassadors that will help you grow. So you don't want to take the money away from those kinds of connections. Uh, and I think that's it. People can often say, oh, well, you know, they've been with us for a long time, so we don't really have to do a whole lot there or or we don't need to really spend more money on going after new business because we've got, you know, a, a plenty of what was coming in from the existing customers. You want to be careful about those assumptions. Um, I, uh, I agree. And I'm having these conversations with existing clients, you know, the trickling down of budget cuts if their clients and their clients' clients, it eventually gets to me. And oh, yeah. so looking at, you know, last year's contracts, like, well, let's look at the reports. Let's see where we made the most, you know, inroads. Where do we do the best? Where would you like to do better? And let's shift what we do for you. 
it's not necessarily let's cut it out, but where would we be more effective for you? And that's getting back to that being nimble. We have to be nimble as marketers to say, well, this is what we do for that client and that's that contract. No, what we do overall is help them succeed and they trust us to help them succeed. That's it. So shift your thinking to go to whatever it is that will help them succeed and long-term to keep building that traffic, build their authority, build it all. But it might be totally new things. Yes, it might be. And so when we talk and look at budgeting, we kind of talk with the members who run companies, you know, the CEO, the CFO, uh, the COO are usually very involved in planning along with their leadership uh, team and budgeting. And we talk about budgeting in two ways. We talk about budgeting, first of all, in the big picture, to think about your budget around the outcomes that you have to achieve in order to declare success at the end of the coming year, right? And I think one of the challenges a lot of people have is that we've gotten very comfortable um, just creating budgets around things like, well, we have a budget for events and we have a budget for PR and we have a budget for the website and we have a budget for email. And we have a budget for social and, and in, this is in the marketing front. And, 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 uh, but don't forget, we have the same kinds of budgets occurring for the sales organization and, and also for other functions in the organization. Mm-hmm. And so these are known as sub accounts. And a lot of people just go through that exercise of how much money do we want to put there as opposed to having the conversation about what's the outcome we need to achieve in order to declare success? Yes. How do we invest? How much do we want to invest in order to achieve that? And then be thinking through what are the things we're going to need to do for that outcome? And then what will it cost to do that? And the value of thinking about it from an outcome perspective is when you do need to be nimble and you have to have a conversation one way or the other, like you're flush with cash, you just got this huge deal and and now you want to figure out where to invest it or you need to, you just lost a major customer. This could happen in any economy. You just lost a major a major account. Yeah. Um, so you need to tighten the belt. It allows you to look at it from the outcome perspective mm-hmm. and say, okay, we need to address our investments. How will we look at those investments and what will the ripples be to the outcomes? And it's easier to do that if you budget against an outcome as opposed to just in sub accounts. Otherwise, you're just going through and you're doing the, and I'm sure you've heard this in your career. I know I heard it many times when I was in the corporate world. We need to cut your budget by 10%. Right. Right. Uh, So, and you you might have a little extra help along the way where it says cut your budget by 10% because we just lost this major account or we didn't close this major deal. uh, And therefore, let me help you with that. I notice a lot of money is going to this particular effort. Let's let's take it down by X amount, and you know, and there's no understanding of how that plays out. Am I making sense? I understand that a hundred percent. Get them to focus on the outcome approach yes. to budgeting. Yes. It will be such a eye opener for them. It's difficult sometimes, depending on what your role is in these companies as a marketer. For me. Am I involved in talking to them enough about their money? Is that an okay thing to broach? Do I need to be invited in to talk about their money? Because to me, as marketers or any vendor that provides a service to our clients we want to retain, we need to have them comfortable enough with us 
to let us let us suggest some things. What have we noticed in other areas? What have we noticed in other industries? What information can we bring to them, if nothing else, to say, this is what I've seen, this is what I've done for somebody else. I don't know if this fits for you. <laughs> you know, that always, I'm not sure if this is ideal for you, but you may want to consider this. I think you're bringing up a really important point there. You brought up a couple, actually. One about being the trusted advisor, right? But here's the other thing. People cannot help you if you are not open with them about the situation. So I try to be very open with the people we work with, whether that's the accountants that we, the account, the accounting firm we work with, the law firm we work with, any other supplier that we work with. Here's our situation. Here's what we're trying to accomplish because people have all kinds of ideas yes. and suggestions and I, that you not, might have even thought about or might reinforce something that you are thinking about. So, you know, we can't always work the problem by yourself. You have to, I mean, you have to work the problem. I love that phrase, work the problem, right. but it doesn't mean that you have to do it alone. And I think, um, you know, you want to look and say, who are your trusted advisors and how do you in- include them in the conversation? And You'll find out real quickly if you're one of the trusted advisors advisors when you start making a recommendation. Hey, I know things are kind of challenging right now. Um, Here's some things um, we're noticing with, like you said, I think you brought up a really good point. Here's some things others like you or similar to you are doing. Maybe that would be something that you would find interesting because people, you know, we get to be very uh, heads down in our world. We all do. Right. We're mm-hmm. all very focused. We, we have so many things we have to do every single day that sometimes it's really hard for us to do a periscope and look around. Exactly. <laughs> and so we can be that person for them. We try to be that person for them. Hey, you know, you don't have to worry about the up periscope. We'll bring it to you so you can know what's going on. Um, people really do appreciate that. I know I appreciate it when people bring it to me. I have a few clients, especially especially my real estate clients. I have a handful of those that I really have been working with for probably 15, 20 years. And they count on me to go poke around and see what's the trend, what's working. Not just the pay-to-play people that are getting in all the lists and all that type of thing, other than buying your way in, but what is actually working? What is a trend that is ridiculous? What is a trend that is valid? And how can they shift things? And your line item discussion for the sub-accounts, definitely, if all we're doing every year is filling in the same blanks, we never consider anything new or that there is a new approach. And I enjoy so much talking with people like you, but people in all different positions say, well, I saw this thing you wrote about. What is that? What actually happened? Tell me the backstory to that. And the stories floor me. And I'm always able to bring something forward to our clients. Well, you've been you know, with us for podcasting before, and we send out the emails you know, once a week or once a month. Here's some ideas. Here's some things that we're noticing. Because the hosts, my clients, they don't have the time to go do this. They are too busy trying to service their clients, their sales teams, their marketing, the budgets, everything else. Research goes to the back burner, if at all. It's not even in the kitchen. It's in the yeah. cellar. <laughs> and this is a really valuable point that you're bringing up. Because it's hard to make decisions in a vacuum. We need uh, data uh, today to make decisions. I think I uh, we have a video on this, and I just read another article that confirmed it, that people make about 35,000 decisions in a day. Right. In a day. 
So uh, you, you can't just make, and we make many of them just by rote, right? We just out of habit or comfort or experience. But there are those decisions that obviously you have to take a moment, pause, and give some real serious thought about what you information you need to make that a wise decision, right? And so I think that it also occurs in budgeting. We need to make wise decisions right now. No one knows has a crystal ball, but we can look at, to your point, the research, the data around what's happening in the economy in general, in globally, in our country, in our state, in our locality, because they're not all the same. What's happening with our customers, like their economy, because our customers they are facing their own challenges and those challenges to your earlier point will eventually come your way one way or the other, right? What's happening right. with competitors? What are they doing? Right. You should be looking at that. Um, what's happening in certain markets that we play in? Because some markets to your point earlier about healthcare kind of being one way, but maybe real estate being something else. So many companies are in more than one market. And so you might have to make a different decision about where you want to put your, you know, energy and your focus because market X might not be a good opportunity right now, whereas market Y might be better for whatever reason. So I think having good data and really paying attention to some of those data points can be informative and they will affect how you decide to invest your money and where you expect to market. I think this, the next level in that too, that exploration, that data needs to extend to our customers or desired customers because if they are feeling the pinch, because they are feeling it from their customers too, they will react and it will affect all of their decisions. So we need to go down a couple of levels, you know, the, the whole food chain thing to see where's the crux of this and how can we adjust our suggestions, our recommendations? How can we gather more research to show, you know, this is what's happening with your, not just your sector, but your client's sector. This is yes. what they're going through. And let's plan a little bit backward too. Yes, we want to be outcome-based with our planning, with our budgeting, because that is the most flexible and the most effective. But that outcome-based, what are their outcomes that they need to have happen so that our clients, our people we are helping, our own companies can continue to have the outcome we desire? Yes, and good outcomes are customer-centric. They are with they are the customers you are serving or wanting to serve um, are encapsulated into a good outcome. Uh, at least if you're a customer centric company, you it is encapsulated into your outcome. And I think you brought up a really good point, which is a, this is a little bit of a tangent, but the notion of understanding your customers and the challenges that they face with their markets and their customers, one of the best vehicles for that is a customer advisory board. And so many smaller and mid-sized companies don't take advantage of just getting a few customers into an advisory board and that they can connect with on some regular basis. If you're local, it's really easy. If you have local customers, you know, you just kind of take some that are not competitors and meet for lunch, you know, once a quarter so, or something along those lines. Of course, as you get bigger and you're more region, you know, you're outside a locality or in a state or a region or whatever, you're gonna have to be a little more creative on how you bring those people together. But bringing them together and letting them talk, letting them learn from each other because they all value that, and learning from them what their challenges are, what their customers are facing, 
that can be very insightful. Uh, so just a little tangent there on a way that people can get that information without spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on research. That's a great idea. Those are great suggestions. It makes a difference. But let's go back to budgeting because I know that's kind of top of mind. And um, we talked a little bit about the outcome-based budgeting. I really am a proponent of that. That doesn't mean, obviously, that your CFO is going to do away with sub-accounts. We're not suggesting that, obviously. We're just suggesting that you have clarity around how all the things that you have in those sub-accounts, where they're connected to an outcome. So when you have to make a change up or down, you know what it's connected to and you understand what the implications might be. But if you are facing challenges and it's more than your coffee budget that's about to eat your lunch, (laughs) (laughs) there are some, you know, I do recommend companies do have a conversation and they do it before they're in trouble. And, And that's where I think a lot of things don't happen. They get in trouble and now they're in a crunch and they start making decisions that are, um, I don't want to say reckless, but they start getting more reckless uh, because they're they're in trouble. So I think it's it's important to know what you need to keep the lights on. And for us, our rent is fairly low, but our technology investment is huge. I mean, the amount of things we we use and leverage in our company is extensive. And it's a very large part of our line item. So keeping those going is really important. And that's part of keeping the lights on uh, for your organization. And and it's just a cost of doing business. Um, My husband's about to face a a big uptick because, as you know, he's uh, in in construction, uh, B2B construction. Um, They have a lot of equipment. And where he keeps his equipment and his trucks and all of that, the rent is going up. Of course, the rent is going up because those companies have to have property taxes have gone up. Right. So it all gets passed on one way or the other to somebody. And so, you know, keeping the lights on, it's not like you can just all of a sudden bring all that home and put it in our garage. That's not going to happen. <laughs> right. And if you're customer centric, you really should be thinking about how, what does it going to take uh, to keep and defend your customers and your market share? Right. You know, competitors are always waiting to pounce. Uh, we have competitors. I know you probably do too, Susan. Most of our customers all have competitors, many of them, whether they're in the cybersecurity space um, or they're in the information technology space or the manufacturing space, some kind of professional services space. They all have a lot of competitors. So what do you have to do to defend, to keep yourself from having your customers poached by a competitor? So you need to make sure you have your, your thought about what those things are. And then, you know, you got to move the ball down the field. You can't just sit still because the world isn't going to sit still with you. We all learn no. that, <laughs> right? You, it doesn't sit still. It's moving forward. Your customers are moving forward. The economy is maybe not doing what you wanted to do, but there were winners in the pandemic and there were certainly losers, but you can't right. sit still. You, play. you know, need to know how to move the ball down the field. And then lastly, uh, you need to anticipate what's going to happen in the future. And that's back to even small companies can do a better job by having customer advisory boards and really trying to do some scenario analysis. What if, you know, what if this happens, you know, what if, um, I think that, uh, again, some companies did a much better job of anticipating what if uh, for the pandemic, what if, and then others were like deer in the headlights, as we say here in Texas. Well, they balled up in a corner with, 
hoping it would go away. Hoping things would just, can it just go back to how it was? No. And why would you want it to? So much opportunity to do it better. Let's keep embracing that, incorporating it, and thinking about the bigger picture rather than getting so focused on the sub accounts and not being aware of what's happening around us and how it affects us and our customers. Yes. And I think that's the message that both you and I, uh, this is where our passion is always been connected is about taking care of our customers and making sure that they are successful. And what is it we need to help them do that uh, well? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's easy to take care of them in good times or easier, but taking care of them in hard times. And that's, you know, what we need to be able to do. Right. Laura, it's been a pleasure. And we're going to have several of these links. I would like, I'm going to definitely link to the one blog post that you and I we're reading each other's minds and putting that together. And if there were any others you'd like me to include, I'm happy to include those because you have so much valuable information. Your company, yes, you've weathered all these different storms and rides of the economy because you're great at what you do. Well, thank you. I think we will do have an outcome-based budgeting post and uh, I'll send the link to that too, just in case people are curious about what that means and how to do it uh, as as a plan for the coming year. So your website off the top of my head is visionedgemarketing.com or? Yes, exactly. Visionedgemarketing.com. Come visit us. We have a lot of content, but that's what happens when you've been at it since 1999. We are very, very fortunate. We know we have been blessed. We have great customers and uh, great friends in our ecosystem like you and others that have, you know, been there with, with us through all this time. And We are very grateful. Thank you for that, Susan. Thank you. Never miss an episode. Check out rootedinrevenue.com and subscribe on the site to get weekly updates of when new episodes come out. Or find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio. We want to be where you are, so go subscribe. We'll get you all the information you need to do your best with marketing of events and your online presence.